Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 301. As the Women's National Championship starts inching its way towards the match play portion, it appears that Stanford is firmly cementing themselves into position to defend their title here at Greyhawk. Before getting to that, my guest on this episode is Johnny Kiefer from Baylor University. Baylor will be heading here for the National Championship in a few days. They advanced through the Morgan Hill, California Regional, along with BYU, Florida State, Pepperdine, and the champions from that site, Mississippi State. Johnny and I had a good chat, long overdue really, considering the fact that he's accomplished quite a bit in his collegiate career. Feels like he's been the leader of the Baylor Bears team forever. We spoke about his start in the game, what led him to Baylor, and what it's like playing for legendary coach Mike McGraw. As always, follow on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'll be producing quite a bit of content from Greyhawk as the women's championship wraps up and the men's gets underway in a few days' time. Let's jump into this episode right away. Johnny, you're at the back of the range. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. It's taken uh, a while. I've been stalking you across the fairways of uh, college golf uh, for, for a couple of years, and um, we're getting it done right as we're heading into the, uh, to the Big 12 championships in Hutchison, Kansas. Are, yes, sir. Are, are we are we excited about this? And I know there's a weather situation we're going to be dealing with, but um, how are you feeling coming into Big Twelves? I feel great. Um, Prairie Dunes is such a cool course. Um, obviously, you know, with Prairie Dunes, there's always going to be some weather complications. So, um, you know, it, it's always an experience going up there. It's such a beautiful golf course. It's so challenging, especially with the wind. It just makes it so much harder um but honestly i think that's that's a great thing and i think that the team is really going to do well because waco it definitely blows so uh we'll be prepared you mean uh, you mean it's windy in waco not, you're not saying that waco blows yeah no it's it's windy, okay, it's windy in waco. yeah it's all about all about phrasing here it's an it's an audio medium no one can see you know how you're, how you're verbalizing things so you got to keep that in mind um yeah all right so let's let's kind of paint the picture for people that are saying oh college golf that sounds like fun that's my dream i want to carry my golf bag so we're looking at there's a good chance we're going to have like light rain and 50 degree weather and blowing 10 15 miles per hour i think that's a fair assumption right yeah yeah okay so how does johnny kiefer and as well as the rest of the baylor bears how does johnny kiefer prepare what do you wear like for 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 carrying your bag and you know walking 18 holes what do you wear to keep yourself dry and warm and what other things do you put in your golf bag? Kind of paint the picture for someone's like, oh, well, I'll just throw my bag in the cart and get a hot coffee and get the the, the space heater and the, the hot hands and, and fine, who cares? You know, I'll just towel everything off and I got shelter. How do you approach something like that where you get the most out of your game, but also, you know, keep dry and optimize everything? 
Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on how many holes we're playing. So we're playing 36 on uh, the first day. And uh, I don't really want to carry around everything. So what I'd probably end up doing is throw a few of the gloves in a Ziploc. Um, I obviously have rain gloves if it gets really, um, really rainy. And uh, obviously umbrella. I probably would have pants under the um, rain pants, like double layer. Sure. Uh, might throw uh, like a dry fit Under Armour or Nike uh, tight long sleeve and i mean probably only have one layer on top it's going to be cold regardless so hopefully if i get myself warmed up and stretched out properly hopefully i don't get too cold but i mean the most important part is probably the hand so i'd probably have some hand warmers uh put that inside of the rain jacket and just go at that point because that's the hardest thing too you got to stay warm but if you keep stacking layers pretty soon it affects your golf swing and you can't move properly for sure. I get, I, it's really easy to get tight, especially in that weather. It's just after 36 holes, you're tired, it's wet, you're cold. Um, you just kind of want to leave. So <laughs> at that point, um, most important parts, probably staying, staying relatively dry, but at the same time, trying to stay loose and not get too tight with how many layers you have or getting too tired from carrying so many layers. Yeah. Now you're heading in, you know, the team's heading in, you're, you're a senior at Baylor, um, you know, three consecutive top tens for yourself this spring. So you're coming in on good form. You know, this is kind of one of those interesting situations where the team itself is ranked. I think you're around 30th in the nation. You've well, you're well over the 50, 50 rule, which for people that aren't clear about that, in order for a college team to be eligible for regionals, they have to basically win or have a winning percentage uh, or winning record that is uh, over 50%. So you're, you're well over that. So regionals is definitely in your future or the team's future. Uh, mm-hmm. And then obviously you want to get through that to the national championship. So all that being said, you know, there's, there's a lot of changes coming with the big 12 with teams leaving and teams coming in. So what kind of individual and team goals uh, are being set for Baylor heading into the big 12 with, Yes, you have a conference title to play for, but also it seems like your future heading into regionals is is pretty much set. Yeah. So, I mean, we're really focused on just trying to take one round at a time. I think this team, uh, since we're so young, we kind of look too far ahead sometimes and you can kind of get you can trip yourself over um, if you look too far. So. Uh, we're trying to take one round at a time. You know, our individual goals are obviously all to try and win. But as a team, I think we're going to try and, you know, do the best that we can regardless. So try and sh- save every shot. That's been a big key for us. Like uh, early in the season, it was really easy for us to make doubles and stupid bogeys and then just kind of throw away a round. And uh, we've kind of all matured. Uh, and we're just trying to make sure that, you know, every shot counts. I mean, we, we've seen so many leaderboards where one or two shots a day gets you or jumps you like three spots. So I think going into Big 12, um, obviously the goal is to try and win a Big 12 championship. But we're kind of trying to continue to mature and we're going to try and get ourselves in good form for regionals and hopefully, uh, yeah, kind of set the stage for a good national championship run. 
one of the things I like about your start in the game is that you were a multi-sport athlete. And I think that's something that maybe some of the juniors now kind of get away from. I see so many of these like 10, 11, 12 year olds that's just super involved with golf. Now I've talked to many players. Like first person that comes to mind is Travis Vick. He was a baseball and football guy. And we can go down the line with, uh, you know, kids that play soccer. I know that, um, you know, I just talked to Fred Biondi from Florida, obviously native of Brazil. Soccer was huge with him. So I think it's time that we introduce you to listeners of the back of the range, not just as a golfer, but the other sport that you're so passionate about. I know everyone has this. They got it cold. They know exactly what I'm talking about. Johnny, what was your first love in, in athletics? Uh, definitely lacrosse. What? See, I'm setting everyone up for that because I don't think yeah. I've ever spoken to a lacrosse player here at the back of the range. That's the that's the thing with the stick and the net on the end of it. That's it what is. that's what that is. Okay, so it's popular over in the East Coast. Gotcha. Yeah, you're a Baltimore, Maryland guy. Now, everyone right now that may not know Johnny Kiefer is thinking, "Oh, Johnny Kiefer is some six foot two just monster that just trucks everyone and can just smash a uh, you know a non alcoholic beer can on his forehead and just keep on going." That is not the case. So, talk to me about how you get into lacrosse when, shall we say, you're not. You're not a six foot two behemoth. Yeah, I'm definitely the opposite of that. I was always smaller, um, super skinny, uh, very quick though on my feet. So that's kind of the biggest part about lacrosse. It's a very quick game. In my opinion, it's the fastest game um, on, on land, not ice or anything. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I got into lacrosse when I was four and they they had like little leagues where you would just kind of sign your kid up and drop them off. And, uh, yeah, I just loved it. I was obviously into other sports at the time as a lot of younger kids are, but I kind of really made a lot of friends in lacrosse. I grew a love for it and, um, definitely loved it more than I did at first, uh, golf, <laughs> like without a doubt. <laughs> Well, I mean, golf is and remains a very singular sport. I know there's PGA Junior League and there's obviously high school and college golf teams. But when you're first starting out, I mean, when you're practicing, yeah. you're kind of by yourself. And for a little yeah. kid, that's kind of tough. I had no patience whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to hit the driver or leave. Yeah, like you don't see a lot of nine-year-olds out there just like working on their short game. <laughs> no, no, never. No, but I mean, lacrosse was like my favorite sport growing up. Uh, I was actually in football. I was okay until I ended up having like three concussions in a matter of a year and a half. Yeah, that's not healthy. So, so my parents decided to pull me from that. I stayed in lacrosse because I was shifty enough. And I, I don't know what it was on the lacrosse field, but I really avoided getting hit a lot. But I was still very aggressive. So like I... I don't know. I, I just found ways to make sure that I didn't get hit, but was still in the middle of all the action. It was, it, I feel like it was something that I grew up with and just kind of had a sixth sense of just not getting hit. <laughs> so I'm like, so you must've been like a score basically. I, uh, I, yeah, I know sure. none of the lingo. If you want, I mean, pe people are used to me sounding uneducated and, and kind of not real bright on this podcast, but if you want to talk lacrosse and paint me into a corner, we can definitely do that. <laughs> 
but <laughs> but there's no need for that. Um, so what what was maybe the furthest you could go with lacrosse? I mean, are we talking like D1 college offers? Yeah. And, oh, oh, so you were that good. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I was very solid when I was in seventh or eighth grade. I was on a also like an all-star team that was all throughout the West Coast. Um, I mean, it was... I was very solid. I wouldn't say that I was obviously the best when I moved to Texas. Um, Texas, I mean, a lot of football players over here. So lacrosse coaches don't usually come over and recruit. So right. when I when I did move over here, um, I kind of shifted focuses. Um, I didn't want to play lacrosse anymore for a college because I didn't feel like it was worth having to travel to the West or East Coast to go get recruited and stuff. So I switch to golf and switch my primary sports to to golf and I think it was a really good decision I mean I think I could have gone um uh to a solid university for lacrosse I think I was definitely good enough definitely d1 but um I think I think I picked the right sport yeah I think everything's kind of working out okay for you <laughs> um so you you start playing junior golf in Texas which uh, you know I know you're born and raised in, or born in Baltimore, Maryland. And, uh, you know, I know that's pro close proximity to other States and, and there's, there's a lot of golf up there, but you know, you want to talk about the, a hotbed. I mean, California, Texas, and Florida seem like three pretty good places to be a junior golfer. And mm -hmm. with you being in Texas and San Antonio, you racked up a few of those AJGA wins that gets people's uh, attention when it comes to recruiting. So that worked out well, you, you know, high school golf uh, in San Antonio, when did um, when did I guess you first start getting the attention of some coaches, and then of course we need to talk about your your college coach, the one you decided to play for at Baylor, uh, Mike McGraw. So when did the first uh, recruiting process start for you? So the first recruiting process probably started my freshman year of high school. No, probably my eighth grade year. Um, it was honestly this either the state tournament. Um, my freshman year or just slightly before when I got a decent amount of coaches watching um, eighth grade, it was kind of just, you know, these local tours where co uh, coaches would show up and kind of watch, you know, who's got a good swing, who looks like they're not throwing clubs at eighth grade level. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, freshman year is really kind of when it started kicking off with, you know, going to visits getting offers and stuff like that. Uh, Coach McGall probably saw me for the first time my eighth grade year. It was kind of one of those, you know, smaller events, but uh, really started talking to me. And, you know, I started visiting my freshman year um, along with some other other schools. And, yeah, it was, a, it was crazy, though. They started coming in flocks. <laughs> It's got to be a weird thing to try and balance because, you you know, you're just a kid. You're either eighth grade freshman or, you know, whatever you want to call it. So how, I mean, how, who helped you kind of keep your head screwed on straight where like, okay, you're getting looked at by coaches, but no matter what you shoot, they're not necessarily looking at the score. They're looking at how you handle yourself. Um, how do you, you know, like, like what advice do you have for parents and for juniors that are kind of getting into that process how do you actually enjoy junior golf without getting all worked up about some, you know, some guy standing off to the side that's, you know, judging, uh, you know, viability for you to be on their team? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of hard not to think about that, but I 
felt like my parents did their best to try and make sure that I was always in the in the moment. So I just feel like every tournament I went to, you know, they weren't really focused on the score either. They never really have been. Um, you know, I never got yelled at for making a quadruple bogey or, you know, a birdie or whatever. I don't know. But my composure was always something that they really hounded on. Um, they never really liked me slamming clubs, never liked me throwing them, even though every now and then I did when I was younger. There, but, you, go. there um, you go. Yeah, you know, I did it. I did it. I feel like everyone has at some point. But, um, yeah, I mean, they really hounded on that, and that was their biggest uh, issue whenever I would do something. It's, you know, whenever I lost my composure, whenever I got angry, whenever, you know, um, and it's not that they wanted to limit any emotions cause you know, emotions on the golf course can help you just like, you know, I feel like tiger and a lot of greats have done, but, uh, when I lost composure to the point where I was making more mistakes because of that, that's when they'd step in, they'd, you know, talk to me and it feels like, I felt like, you know, that really helped me with recruiting, um, the more I talked to coach McGraw, he seems to think that I was very uh, mature on the golf course and very composed. And I just feel like, you know, parents nowadays, sometimes I see like, you know, parents yelling at their kids for why are you hitting a slice? Why are you hitting a slice? But to me, it's like my parents never really did that. They were more just, why are you sending your club? Why, why are <laughs> yeah. you, why are you, why are you getting all disgusted over that shot? Like there, you just gotta, you know, um, and I feel like to me, I always enjoyed junior golf more when I wasn't always angry. It was really easy to get angry over shooting a 75 when your best friend or whatever shot 65 and you're sitting there on a, I don't know, T40 finish and you know, you're a very competitive person. So like for me, I was always competitive with my friend from high school, Garrett Martin and you know, same sort of thing. Like, one of us could be mad. One of us could be, could be happy. But if, you know, it was, it was always fun anyways, because, you know, both of us have great composure. Um, both of us have great parents who taught us a lot. So I think um, the more I kind of matured was when I started having more fun at golf tournaments. And then I didn't have to really think about coaches or anything. And that, it all kind of came uh, together uh, by itself, naturally. It's kind of interesting. From more I hear about, uh, more I talk to coaches, they're not really looking at your score at that level. They're really mm -hmm. not. You know, they're not just saying, "Well, Johnny shot seventy five and Garrett shot seventy four. Let's go with Garrett." It's not like that. They're looking at all the little intangibles. They know you're going to improve. They know they see the. You know, they're looking for the areas where they think, "Okay, we can get that cleaned up when he comes on campus." Um, so yeah, it's not all about black and white and yeah, I, I don't spend a whole lot of time around junior golf cause you know, well, that's a whole different episode for me to explain why, but you know, one of the main reasons is I see, I see these parents putting so much pressure on the kids and the kids are putting pressure on themselves and everyone's it's stressed out. And, yeah. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like there's no need for all that. Um, talk about Mike, Mike McGraw. He's your coach at Baylor. This is, you know, we, we toss around the word legend quite a bit, but yeah, he is actually a legitimate coaching le legend, you know, three-time national champion. I mean, these, these numbers are, are probably soft, but, and not super accurate, but you know, 48 tournament titles, 31 all Americans, uh, who knows how many, 
uh, who knows how many more have been added to that list. But um, he has, one thing I've noticed about Coach McGraw is he has a conversational style and a delivery that's so calm. And it feels like he can just drop anyone's blood pressure just by talking to him. Definitely. Okay. Some coaches, by the way, are not like that. Um, I, and I don't, I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way, but there are, there are differing levels of intensity in with college coaches. So I guess my question is why is he so effective and why did his style match yours so well? I'd probably just think that coach McGraw is most effective because he has so much wisdom but at the same time he's just taught so many people so many lessons about life rather than golf i feel like we all have a hold a high respect for him um you know like it's hard not to respect a person that you think wakes up at 5 a.m does a workout every day uh is very orderly very you know very well connected um talks just incredible like his vocabulary his his way with words is incredible um he holds his emotions together very well so like he's very empathetic as well um you know he's just so well-rounded as a person and that's really one of the main reasons why I came to Baylor is because like my dad was talking to me and I was talking to him and it was all my choice but it was clear who my dad really, really respected and wanted. Um, It was coach McGraw because he wanted, you know, I'm in high school still about to commit to a college where it's, I mean, it's two and a half hours away, so it's not far, but it's not like my dad's going to be able to come up every day or come see me all the time or even any of the, any time during the semester. So he wants someone who's going to be pretty much raising me or helping me, you know, mature more throughout college, you know, with school, um, sports and just life in general. So I think first priority for us, whenever we were looking at someone for, as a coach, we kind of looked at them as a person. Um, and coach McGraw is really a world-class, uh, person. It's uh, everything about him has just been absolutely fantastic. He's, He's a great coach with a lot of experience, and I'll right. say a lot. Yeah, yeah, he's been around for for quite some time now. If if you really wanted to wind him up in some way, now what are the oh. things that that you know we've talked about how cool, calm, and collected he is, but uh, there's got to be something that winds him up that just gets him <laughs> off kilter. His pet peeve would probably be showing up late. Yeah, not going to class. Really, just being a bad kid, but <laughs> but but if we're talking about something that I wouldn't do, and it's just the world, I I'd say probably cold weather. If it snows, I think he's gonna leave. Oh, <laughs> he's gonna okay. leave and go somewhere warmer. Gotcha. He hates cold weather. So if you ever see him without a jacket, it's gonna be a hundred degrees. Like he'll have a jacket on, and it's eighty-five degrees in Arizona. He had a jacket on the entire day. Oh my gosh. 
Yeah, that that's one thing he absolutely despises. He's like, I've been in enough cold weather for my lifetime, and I won't be in cold weather again. Yeah, well, still, Stillwater and Waco. I mean, those are yeah. the two spots where, <laughs> yeah, it's going to blow a little bit, and it's yeah, boy. So he's not going to be. So he may not be the most happy camper at Prairie Dunes, is what you're saying. The only thing is, it is Prairie Dunes. It has some of his favorite holes in the world. Okay. All right. So I think he'll be somewhat happy as a golf historian and as, you know, a golf coach. But I don't think he's very happy about the weather other than than for just the golf. If he's out there on just a regular day and it's 50 degrees out, he's going to have six layers on. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Well, if I need to borrow something, then I know where to go. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, perfect. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about as far as choosing what play, what school to go to, you know, uh, I don't think, you know, competitive schedule is really something very important, especially, you know, if you're playing golf at the D1 level, at least you are thinking about, hey, there's a chance I want to try and play professionally. You have a very competitive schedule at Baylor. I mean, this year you play in, in Illinois' tournament at, at Olympia Fields. That, that's always a strong tournament. Cabo is strong. Big, Big 12 match play. You just got back from Thunderbird where, you know, a lot of top teams are there. You know, most juniors and parents, they're thinking about the facilities and, and um, you know, maybe scholarship money and things like that. But a schedule, you really have to play a tough schedule because – you know, you got to play against the best competition for you to, you know, jump in the rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, how how much has that played into just your college golf experience, knowing that every tournament you play in, you're playing against some of the best college players in the country? Yeah, no, it's, it's really good. Um, it's really helped me personally because I get to play with, obviously, the best competition. So I get to see what they're doing. I wasn't as mature my freshman year, so coming in, getting to play a full schedule and seeing what some of these great players who have done great things already in pro golf now, um, kind of seeing how they hold themselves um, accountable, you know, how they carry themselves on a golf course. It's all, it, it was all really good experience. And I think playing that strong schedule really allowed us to, but on top of it, really all those, all those courses are, incredible they're what you would see out on pro golf maybe slightly less like slightly the condition might be different um obviously for pro tour they they get the course in perfect condition but i mean the competition level that's kind of what you want to see for being in college it's really you know being surrounded by the best players and the best teams you kind of want to see how you're stacked up to stacked up against them week in and week out i i haven't so. made it out to the cabo tournament yet because that's that's a long haul from south florida mm-hmm. but but that i mean yes very strong field but it's it still just doesn't it looks like a vacation i mean i don't i've never <laughs> been there i don't care but i mean like you're eating tacos i see there's like, oh, yeah. like softball games and and you're rolling around in carts and you know it seems like there's just more pictures from the pool than there are from the golf course I mean, does that is that really a tournament? Honestly, there's no just you and me talking. No one else is listening. Uh, just you and me. Is that really a tournament? Come on. It's my favorite. Here we go. Here it's my go. favorite. Uh, no, it re- it really is my favorite. Uh, oh, it's it's a vacation tournament Attaboy. for sure. Attaboy. It's, okay, it's a vacation tournament for sure. There's 18 holes. That's why to me it's my favorite because we are in Cabo, 
So really what we would do is it was morning tea time. So we'd go out early in the morning in carts uh-huh. and <laughs> go play 18 holes, be done by one o'clock and just not come back into the hotel or into the host housing until eight o'clock. It was incredible. You it's know, like by you, far my favorite tournament. <laughs> you know, what's funny is that I, I do see that it's very well attended by parents. For some reason, yeah. the parents are. I don't know why. Yeah, I know. Like, I know like, why. like. Okay, I don't even know the answer to this. Were your parents at the Illinois tournament? Yes. Okay. Were your parents at the Cabo tournament? Of course. Okay. They're always going to be there. Okay, I was going to say because there were I, parents. There were there were parents that I wouldn't see at other tournaments uh-huh. that were at the Cabo tournament. Perfect. Okay, that's that's kind of where I was going with that. Cause, yeah. Because yeah. like the Illinois tournament, you know, Olympia yeah. Fields is great, but I I know for a fact that that you know mid September, uh, I yeah. I've heard some horror stories it's about. Weather. Yeah, I've heard some. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, nobody's it's, missing Cabo. No, absolutely not. And I wouldn't for the world either if my son went to went to a school that went to Cabo. Who, I wouldn't for the world. Who who seemed to be like some of the most popular parents at Cabo? Oh, I'm not gonna lie. I feel like my parents were very. I was popular. gonna say. I was gonna say. My, like, par- my parents went over to the Vanderbilt uh, table. Oh they were- no, they got <laughs> stuck with the Vandy. The Vandy parents. Let yeah. me tell you something. Those parents, they can. Yeah. That's a reality yeah. show waiting to happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, they were. My parents were hopping tables, team to team. So uh, I don't know. I, I I wasn't there, so I didn't hear. But I did hear a lot of stories. Um, there's some good stories. Basically right. what you're, let me see if I can I here. Let me, let, let me help you out, Johnny. Um, what, what you're trying to say is the parents didn't have an early tea time in the morning. So they were able no. to kind of stay up late and visit and just tell, yeah. tell some stories about junior golf. Of course. There it is. Of course. Okay. Naturally. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Love it. Um, you are, uh, one thing I noticed about you, I, I think we've, gosh, we've seen you out there. I can't even remember how many tournaments I've, I've, I've we've, uh, crossed paths, but it's very hard for me to know how you're playing, uh, on the golf course, whether it's at a USAM or a college tournament, you seem to always have a pretty light attitude, always smiling a little bit. I see players do the opposite. They are kind of open and and you know kind of friendly uh, off the golf course or off uh, outside of a tournament round and then once the tournament starts or the round of golf starts they just kind of lock in and they kind of have that thousand yard stare that'll just look right through me so that being said how do you do you consciously just say yep i'm just going to be myself whether i'm playing or not or is it something that's come naturally for you to try and keep that mindset how do you approach you know your personality during a tournament round uh, I I don't really concentrate on that as much. Um, I used to be the opposite. I used to be I used to be that tiger stare. I used to be the you know I won't I won't talk to anybody. Blah blah blah. Right. And but that's also when I was you know just starting golf and I was getting mad over a bad chip or something like that. Now to me, you know, I I like to have as much fun because it's I mean golf is a game. Um, so I like to have as much fun as I can. Um, it's really easy to get yourself too hyped up, uh, over, you know, just a shot that you've hit a thousand times to me. I feel like I play my best when I'm, you know, relaxed, having fun, um, you know, just playing a casual round. So I don't really like to amp myself up too much by, you know, doing a death stare to 150 yard flag. Yeah. No, no, (laughs) that that makes sense. Who, who are, what would be like, as far as, you know, 
if, if if you're rolling up to a college tournament and you're you see that you're paired with with these two guys and you just know okay it's gonna be a 36 whole day it's gonna be nine hours it's gonna be slow nine hours is actually generous but it's gonna be slow 36 holes you got to pick two guys to be paired with from two other programs i know mm-hmm. there's a long list for you to pick from but who are the first two that pop into your mind uh i'm gonna go with cole sherwood yep and Garrett Martin. Okay. From Texas Tech. I we're all Texas guys and we'll have a lot of fun. Um obviously they're good players and it's always great for me. Like I, I love playing with great players. Um so it's it's good to see a lot of birdies, but at the same time, like we have fun doing it. Um no one's I, we all kind of feel like we have that on off switch every time we hit. So like right over the ball, we're going to get very serious, but right after, you know, we can laugh about it or we can, you know, smile and joke around and have some fun. So, you know, 36 whole days, a long day though for anyone. So yeah, well, I, I don't know I, how, I don't know if they want to be paired with me. <laughs> well, those days are long and, and Woody has low key, one of the driest and quietest sense of humors I think I've ever come yes. across. Yeah. Like you, <laughs> he just really, he's, he's sneaky with that shit. He really is. Yeah. I'm, I'm not falling for any of his nonsense anymore. I've, I've heard, a few, I've heard a few it's things. A so. of, there's a lot of it. Yeah. There's a lot going on with Woody. It doesn't look like it, but there really is. Um, did you see the video of the PJ Tour U, uh, like where Gordon was oh, yeah. uh, mic'd up? Oh, yeah. He goes, dang, your butt's looking huge. Yeah, I know. I know. He said it, it's, and, and I, was, I, there, I, my- I was there for that tournament too. I was there. At the That's eight. so fun. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. Poor, I mean, look, we all talk about how, you know, Gordon's a great player, but I also kind of feel bad for him because the attention that he gets around his teammates, his teammates are just just abusing the hell out of him oh, about that. I'm sure they are. Yeah. I was like, there's no way they'd let that slide. All those guys, I know them very, very well. And I'm just like, no way. Maul, Sherwood, Davenport, no, no way. There's no way. Yeah, they're not. They're like, oh, yeah, you're the top-ranked player in the world. Yeah, we'll fix that real quick. So, yeah. All right, so this other thing about college golf they kind of like you to do is, is go to class. Um, I, uh, I I hear that that's important when you want to be a college uh, scholar-athlete. Uh, but you ranked you racked up Big 12 Scholar-Athlete of the Year, and your major is accounting. Yeah. I think I took Accounting 101 in college, and it was not pretty. Um, not Definitely not not one of my strengths. Numbers, not 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 so much. How did you, and there's nothing, look, I love my accountant. I love my accountant. It keeps me from getting <laughs> audited every year. But how do, how do you pick accounting? I, I, I mean, what draws you to accounting? I don't know. It might have been the worst decision of my life. Oh, okay. All right. I'm sorry. I didn't realize we were going down a dark path here. Um, <laughs> no. It, uh, so, obviously, you know the Dossies. Um, yes. Luke Dossie, I was rooming with him my freshman year and we had kind of both been thinking accounting because, you know, his parents were accountants. My parents were engineers and I couldn't go engineering and I didn't know anything else in business other than like marketing and what Cooper did, uh, was, uh, 
communications and I didn't really want to go down those routes. So I was like, you know what, let's try accounting. Did great in the first two accounting classes. So I was like, yep, I'm doing accounting. And that's how they suck you in. (laughs) That's how they suck you in. That's how it is. So I got into accounting, got into the core. And those were some of the hardest classes I have ever taken. And me being so competitive, I was not going to drop because my uh, (laughs) because Luke didn't drop. And and I was like, I'm not dropping. I'm going to beat him. Okay, so, so all right, so wait a minute. All right, let's let's unpack this this bowl of nonsense here. Yeah. So the Big Twelve Scholar Athlete of the Year is in the field of accounting, not because you love it, just because you're so stubborn and competitive, you can't let it beat you. Yes. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. That's that's the only reason why I get good grades, because I'm so competitive. There's there's no reason to it other than that. I'm not necessarily smart. Um, I just, you know, I like to, well, your self-realization is outstanding. So I think actually, I think philosophy and psychology is actually what, what really you should look into because you're, you're, you really understand like, look, I am not smart, but I'll be damned if these numbers and this big book is going to beat me. Okay. Got it. All right. Good. All right. All right. I'm picking up on it. So I guess this fits really well. You know, I had this whole line of questioning about advice for kids, you know, picking majors. We're going to skip through that because that's going to be just completely pointless if from coming from you. So, Don't right. So let's let's pivot back into golf. I feel that we're on safer ground when we talk about golf. Yeah. So, working on your game, working on a swing change, working on some sort of a shot. You know that your personality can lead you in the direction of, I'm just going to hit balls for three hours until I figure this out. That may mm-hmm. not be the best thing when it comes to golf. So how do you approach practice on just a standard week without letting yourself go down a rabbit hole of, well, you know, I, I blocked three drives in the last tournament, so now I'm going to go hit 500 drives without blocking. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you pre- prevent your, your mindset and your personality from adversely affecting your golf? Well, to be honest, I was very much like that uh, last few years. You know, I was so technical. I'd think about the swing nonstop. I hit one bad shot, and I'd go think about it and go sit on a range for five hours. So, but now I'm kind of more down the re- more relaxed path. I'm more, you know, uh, I don't know what that was. I, I don't know why I did that. But I'm gonna go ahead and you know just swing freely on the next one. So the most important thing for me right now is I've been playing a lot of golf. Um, sometimes it's possible, sometimes it's not. Um, just because of the weather, sometimes it's just, you know, practice blocks and stuff like that. But, um, you know, so I, I focus a lot more on short game and putting now. Uh, I've played a decent amount with some really good players, um, one of them being, like, Mav McNeely. And he has some of the best short game and best putting I don't know what he's doing on putting now, but earlier in the season, he was ranked first in strokes gain putting. And, you know, I just thought, you know, this is some of the most important. These are the most important strokes pretty much like putting was huge. So I just go practice putting and chipping now. I hit balls for 25 minutes. And then if I need to go hit some more balls, how I do it is I go hit some shots on the course or, um, I play around the facility at Baylor. So I think it's more important for me and for a lot of people to shape shots and be creative on the golf course rather than just sit there and 
hit 500 drivers because of, you know, one or two swings. I think it's, you, you feel a lot more and you learn a lot more about your swing whenever you play golf versus just sit there and think about your swing the entire time. Yeah, that, that's a good guy to listen to because that guy is actually legitimately very smart. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he's, he's an incredible player. Um, and I know – so Scout McNeely was my roommate for a long time, and he's, he's an incredible person. He is also incredibly smart. Um, you know, I, I still talk to him th- to this day, and, uh, you know, I still learn a lot from him. I mean, I learned a lot from all my teammates, but especially from him. Yeah, I've had Stanford people on the podcast in the past, and I've had them try to explain their major to me. Never, Gosh. It never goes well for me. Never goes well. I always just end up giving up and like, all right, let's change the subject back to something that I know. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah, like, what, what, what are you doing? Yeah. So, um, well, I'm gonna get let you get out of here pretty soon because I know uh, gotta pack up all those 37 layers of uh, cold weather gear for yeah. for yeah. for Big 12. I'm the, I'm in the process of doing that myself, but um, you know, your your this is your your senior year. Obviously, you do have one year. You could take a, a COVID year if you decide to come back to Baylor. I'm sure those decisions will be made in the near future as uh, the national championship approaches, but. I definitely wanted to ask you, you know, like like right now I'm looking at numbers and you're 25th in PGA Tour U, which you're still sitting outside the mark of where you would get status on Latin or status at Canada. And I guess this is less something about maybe what you can speak to, but maybe just, you know, other guys in the, in the same boat. I mean, all these all you players talk all the time. But it, I think it's a really great thing that the PGA Tour U is providing these opportunities to, you know, get the very best college players right out onto a tour as soon as they move to the professional ranks. But is it is it hard for, you know, it also you kind of have to embrace that while you're in college. It can't be something that you just start thinking about as you turn pro. Yeah. Is it difficult for you guys to kind of, you know, stay in the I hate to use the term, you know, stay in the present, take one shot at a time, but you know, how hard is it for you not to look at rankings and just kind of focus on enjoying your college career? Yeah, it's really hard. Um, to be honest, I don't really do it that well, but, but I will say, uh, it's not hard when you have a team surrounding you, um, really supportive, regardless of how you're doing. Um, obviously if you're super competitive, you still want to beat a lot of people. So you every time you go out to a tournament, Obviously, you want to increase and, you know, improve that ranking. But I think for the season as a whole and uh, my goals have all been the same. So there's no reason for me to, you know, change anything or do anything about that. So for me, I always just take the approach of, okay, it's just one shot at a time anyways. And, uh, you know, obviously, I'm going to try my best regardless. It's not like I'm going to sit there and say I'm going to try harder because I'm not doing as well or I'm going to try harder because I am doing so well. It's more just, you know, I'm going to try my best and sometimes my best isn't good enough. Sometimes it's well, good, like very good. Right. So, um, you know, I, I don't think the mindset changes regardless of the ranking. And I think I'm speaking for a lot of people as well. I think we kind of all sit there and we're obviously looking at some of the rankings, even though we shouldn't, or we might be, just sitting there and just nonstop thinking about it. But I also think that 
when tournament time comes and when we're in the tournament, we all think very similar. And it's just, you know, you gotta, gotta slow yourself down and take it one shot at a time, even though that's a little cliche as well. Well, I think that's what you have to do. Um, yeah. It's just, it's kind of hard with, you know, agents and you have, yeah, you know, you have all these, you know, you have NIL, you have PGA tour, you, you have, you know, Wagger, you have all these different things, you know, trying to get sponsors and all these different things. And you just got to somehow try and keep it locked in where, Hey, you know, this is a pretty small pocket of time in my life and let's get the most out of it. We can. Yeah, no, that's, that's a super important thing. Like for me, my coach and my family have kind of really helped me stay in the moment and not really get too uh, caught up in that stuff. So I mean, I'm just trying to focus on golf. That's kind of been the primary goal for what my parents have wanted to do for me and what my coaches wanted to do for me. Um, you know, I, they just want me to just focus on hitting shots and everything else will take care of the rest. I think that's the most important thing. I'm not going to ask you what your plans are for next year, but I just wanted to point out that next, uh, at the end of March next year, the PGA Tour Latin America Tour is playing in uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina. And the winner of that tournament should get around $30,000. Or you can go play the Cabo tournament again. All right, That's we're going to move on. Not going <laughs> to let you answer that. Just wanted to let you know that you do have plenty of options on what you'd like to do. Um, yep. Johnny, this has been fun. I uh, look forward to seeing you a couple days in uh, Hutchinson, Kansas. I may have some extra uh, hot hands, uh, hand warmers on me. Uh, how much do you think I could sell those to a, to a player? 50 bucks? Easy? Uh, probably more. I was going to say. Yeah, I'm going to stock up on those and uh, see if I can yeah. raise some money for the back of the range, uh, the Big 12s. So uh, I will see you in a few days. Always All fun. Right. And I uh, appreciate stopping by the back of the range. Yeah, thank you for having me on. And there you have it. Special thanks to Johnny Kiefer for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Every single episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. We'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range.